Well, a few weeks ago, Pastor Monty did ask me what I was doing on September 17th, and I said, well, I'm going to celebrate my birthday. He said, good, you can do it by preaching. So I have to say, I think this is the first time I've ever preached on my birthday. So I believe the Holy Spirit is going to lead me and guide me, and just as you confessed, you're going to have ears to hear and hearts to receive, because uh, I know that you can be tired and you can be frustrated and you can be uh, worried a little bit about things going on. But you know, when we come in here in this house, this is a time to set aside our feelings, to set aside our worries, our complaints. We need to be setting those aside all the time. I heard Dan Moeller say, um, a born-again Christian should never be complaining. How many still working on that with me? Amen. So today I want to, uh, I really struggled because it's been a while since I've ministered and uh, Pastor Monty asked me about three weeks ago, said, well, you got it yet? I said, not yet. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit's so good. Um, Some things I really don't like to minister on and I stay pretty close to what God has called me to do. God's called me to tell the believer who they are in Christ and that the devil is defeated and you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loved you, gave himself for you. There's nothing greater in this world than you people sitting right here to do the work of the ministry. That's what God's called you to do. That's what we're here this morning to get encouraged, to get empowered, to get edified, built up. Because sometimes if we're out there in the world, uh, maybe not all of you work a secular job. I work a secular job, but it's not who I am. Did you hear me? Don't let your secular job define you. Don't let what you've been through define you today. I hear the Holy Spirit. You know, the devil came at me a few years ago. tried to define me as uh, a divorced minister. And I was like, I'll never preach again. You know, that condemnation tried to get on me. And I had to work through that. And I said, no, God's called me and the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Devil, I'm putting you in your place. I'm serving notice on you. Jesus has called me. He's anointed me. His word is anointed. His word is in me. And I can preach and declare his word just as well as anybody else. Maybe I don't know as much as anybody else, but I have to take the opportunity that God gives me. And I so appreciate Pastor Monty that I know he's tired. He did all that fishing this weekend, but we're going to let him rest today. And hopefully he can get refreshed. So if it's your first time here today, come back. I won't, we won't be here for the next two weeks. So um, we're going to take our vacation and rest and recuperate. Looking forward to it. But today I want to talk to you about shut the door. It isn't always that I like to talk about the things the devil is doing. But... Like I said, I work in a secular job. I work in the medical field. I see so many people that are struggling, not just lost people. I see born-again, spirit-filled people that are struggling with their walk with Jesus Christ. 
So today I want to talk about primarily shut the door on the devil. Amen? It's up to us. We have to know that he's been defeated. We're going to look at some scriptures in just a minute. We have to know that he's been defeated. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. And there's nothing that he can hold against you that Jesus hasn't paid for. Amen? It's under the blood. My mother, I was raised in a Pentecostal home, and my mother knew how to plead the blood over her children. She knew how to plead the blood over her family. And today, I think a lot of the church has gotten away from pleading the blood. You say, well, what are you talking about, Sharon? I'm talking about the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. It was shed for our sins. It was shed for our transgressions. It was shed for our old life. So why are we allowing that old life to dictate to us, to run roughshod over us? Why are we allowing the works of the enemy to come to us and say, you're not going to amount to anything, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? Am I the only one that has ever heard those things? I don't think so. Okay, let's look. 2 Corinthians 2.11. If you've been here on Wednesday night, I just spilled water all over me. If you've been here on Wednesday night, we're doing Bible study and discipleship class. A couple of Wednesday nights ago, Pastor Monty almost got on my message today. I looked at Gary and I said, he needs to stop talking. But I felt like it was a confirmation. So 2 Corinthians, we might look back a little more at this above it, but I just want to take this. It says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I like the translation, the NLT says, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. The devil has some schemes. He has some devices. He has some tactics. He has some... Uh, little whisperings that he tries to get in. And the devil only has the authority that you give him. The Holy Spirit showed me one time that you don't want to be like Eve. Adam and Eve were given authority over everything that was on the face of the earth, over the animals, over the trees. They had authority over everything. And what did Satan, as the serpent came, and he started whispering, well, did God really say? You know, he'll come and say that. Did God really call you? Did God really tell you to share that? Is that, you think that's God speaking to you? And what happened? Eve gave up her authority. She had the authority that God had given her. She had authority to say, Satan, get behind me. Satan, you're not allowed here. She could have cast him out of the garden. But why do we, in our own gardens, we put up with things? We allow things. The devil can only do what you allow in your life because you've opened the door 
You haven't shut that door on him. You know, I liked one time I heard a man say, said, well, if the devil brought a package up to your door and rang the door and you knew it was the devil, he said, what would you do? You'd slam the door in his face and say, no, sir, I don't want that. But what do we do? You know, I work in the medical field, everybody knows. It's getting flu season time. COVID's back on the uptick. What are you going to do? You going to make provision for it or are you going to shut the door on it? I choose to shut the door. Yeah. Devil, you're not coming near me. You're not bringing those symptoms on my body. Body, you are healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against me can prosper. But you know, we've got to have something inside of us that can trump What's on the outside of us coming against us? And what is that? The Word of God. That's why it's so important for you to be here Sunday and Wednesday. Get the Word in you so that the Word is what comes out. You know, the first time you sneeze or cough, oh, I'm, I must be getting the cold. I must be getting the flu. First time your body starts aching, oh, I better see if I've got COVID. Oh, I better see if I've got this or I've got this. Oh, appendicitis. You know, our body will talk to us. But we're not to live by our body. We're not to live by our feelings, our five senses. Our senses are good for the natural. You know, if I'm crossing the road and I see a car coming, my eyes see, I better get out of the road. Pretty, you know, it's good to have our senses that we can see, we can hear, we can taste, we can smell. But you know what? Our senses weren't made to run our lives. We are spirit beings. And that's how the devil, he can only come through the natural door. The spiritual door has been closed to him. Let's look. Jesus has defeated him. I said that time and time again. Let's look at 1 John 3.8 in the New Living Translation. It says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Oh, my goodness. We better go on. Who has been sinning since the beginning? But look at this. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. You know, I believe that Jesus fulfilled that job. I don't think he did it halfway. I think he completely annihilated the works of the devil. It's already done. You say, well, Sister Sharon, why am I being so bombarded by him then? Because you haven't shut the door. You, you're the one that has to keep the door shut to him. Amen? And there's things, we're going to get into it just a little bit. There's different things in the Word of God that it talks about that can open the door to Satan, that can open the door to his tactics. So don't be ignorant. Don't be Unaware, one translation says. Don't be unaware of his schemes and his tactics. I'll tell off on myself the other day, the other evening, and I was studying all this. My husband comes in the bedroom, and everybody knows Gary is the most loving, kind man on the face of this earth. So I knew he was being used of the devil. I recognized it. <laughs> He comes in the bedroom, and I'd had a pretty rough day that day. And I had, I'd gone home for lunch, and 
I got always go through Sonic and get my mango water and when I picked it up out of the car when I got home, my I don't know if it was an inferior Sonic cup or what, but my thumb went right through it, and my water is all in my console. So here I am trying to salvage my water, trying to clean up my car, trying to eat my lunch, get back before my lunch hour is over, and I'm just, it had been a really hectic morning that day, and I'd been really, you know, smiling, trying to help people, and be kind, and so that night I'm home, and I don't really remember what was going on, but anyway, from my trying to clean up my stuff and salvage my water, I'd left a couple of glasses in the sink, cups that I'd had at work, and uh, so Gary walks in the bedroom, and it's getting close to bedtime, and he says, you know, I normally don't leave cups in the sink. And at first, my feelings started rising up. Now, you have to understand, for you military men, Gary is a veteran, and he learned certain things in the Army, and one of them was how to fold things. And he's really good at folding towels, and he does all of our towel laundry because, I mean, you can measure it, and every towel is the same dimension, and it's perfect. He didn't like the way I folded towels when we got married. So I said, buddy, you can have it. Because <laughs> I just want folded towels. But anyway, he walks in. and So it's not like him to leave sink, uh, cups in the sink. It's not like him to leave anything out. Thank the Lord. I don't have to go behind him and pick up his shoes and his dirty clothes and he takes care of it, men, so that's a little extra for you there. But anyway, my flesh, just for an instant, my flesh just, ugh. You know, I wanted to say, I dare you. Do you know the kind of day I've had? So I just turned around. I said, devil, get behind me, Satan. And I said, no, you don't. And usually I don't either. And I will go take care of those right now. <laughs> so anyway, the enemy tries little things like that. He tries to use things that Gary and I have a great relationship. But you know, the devil comes in and one of the first things that he wants to do he wants to take the word. He wants to steal the word from you. And then he wants to tear your family apart. Because if he can get your family torn apart, and I know from where I speak, because I've been through it, the door was open to the devil. He'll tear your family apart. And what makes up the church? Families. He'll get in, mess with the church, He'll take all these things and try to use them. It's up to us. Nope. Shut the door. So I shut the door on that really quick because I recognized it wasn't him. It wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. But it's, the word says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Amen. But Jesus came and he destroyed the works of the devil. That means he took his authority Let's look at Colossians 2, 13. 
Brian's hanging with me this morning, so he was like, uh, how many scriptures did you send me? I said, well, we probably won't get to all of them, Brian, no worries. <laughs> Colossians 2.13 says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 15, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The three days that Jesus, after he was hung on the cross and died, he went to hell, and it says that he spoiled principalities and powers. He stripped them of all their authority. He stripped them of their weapons. He stripped them of their power. He stripped them. There was nothing that the devil could no longer hold against you. Hallelujah. And he made a show of them openly, and he was triumphant over it. So you know what I like to do when the devil comes to me and he tries to get in and he starts messing? I just remind him what Jesus did. I remind him, Satan, you've been stripped of all authority. That word power is authority. He has no dominion any longer on this earth. He only, the word of God says, um, I know I have the scripture, but it says um, in... 1 Peter 5, 8, because he will, he is still trying to devour us. The word says, 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's like a roaring lion. He has no teeth, one guy said. Jesus stripped them all out. He stripped his teeth out. He stripped his power away. He stripped his authority. So what we have to do is when he comes prowling, and as I was meditating on this, it says, stay alert, watch out. Lots of times we get so busy with things, especially in today's culture. It's so easy for us to get sidetracked. And spend time on something that really is of no value to us. Amen. I heard that, Miss Jean. <laughs> That's why I set a timer on my Facebook. Every day, I spend no more than 50 minutes on Facebook. That's combined from morning to night. And you know what happens when that little timer pops up? and says, you have 10 minutes left, or it pops up and says, your time is gone? How many have a timer set? One? I, incur I guess that's why the Holy Spirit brought this up. <laughs> you know what? There's a timer on there you can set, and it will tell you how much time you spend on Facebook. I know I'm meddling now, Pastor Monty. It's not in my notes. Most of us set five minutes, ten minutes, 
maybe, maybe if we stretch it 15 minutes for the word of God every day. When Satan comes along and he's looking for someone to devour, who do you think he's going to go to? Who do the wolves go after in the sheep? Who do the lions go for in the, her, in the you know, whatever, caribou or whatever they're looking at? They look for the one that's off to itself, not paying attention, not looking. Maybe it's limping, maybe it's slow, maybe it's old, maybe it's a little sick. It's the same way the enemy does us. That's why it's so important for us to feed our spirits with the word of God. That we put in the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. I like to say, word of God in, word of God will come out. When you're in the heat of the moment, you can always tell what's in you more than anything. When you get in that moment of distress, we're going to look at some things in just a minute. We're going to look at some tools and tactics the enemy uses. But in that moment of distress, he's looking for that weak chain, that weak link in the chain. He's looking. How strong are they right here? Oh, I see an inroad. I see, oh, they just opened the door. And how do we do that? We do it with the words of our mouth. This is our door. It's the door that we speak and declare who we are in Christ. And that the devil has no authority. So we have to remember, stay alert, watch out. Because our enemy, the devil, he's looking for someone to devour. How do you keep from being devoured by the enemy? Let's look at James 4, 7. No, Siri, I don't need you. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I hear a lot of people quoting that. Just resist the devil and he'll flee. Just resist him. Rebuke the devil. He's got to flee from you. What's the prerequisite to that? Put that back up there again for me, Brian. The, re the prerequisite is therefore submit to God. Because in yourself, you can't resist the devil. In your own natural being, you cannot resist the things that he's bringing to you. You have to submit yourself to God. Let God lead you. Let the Holy Spirit in you be your guide. Let the Holy Spirit rise up and give you the authority that he has given you when you became a new believer you have to learn your authority in Christ. It's yours, but we have to learn about it. We have to exercise it. So sometimes we should just practice our authority. When something's going on, maybe not in your life, you know, maybe you're here today and you're listening to me and you say, I know all of this, Sharon. I've heard this all my life. Well, then if you're batting a hundred or a thousand, then take it and share it with someone else. Help them to get the devil out of their life. I was always taught that you can't really 
You don't really know something until you can teach it to someone else. You've got to be able to teach and train others. But to do that, you've got to be taught and trained yourself. You've got to be built up in the Word and let the Word come out. Let's look at some of the biggest things. Just jot down Ephesians 4.27. In the Amplified it says, Do not give the devil an opportunity. Just don't even give him an opportunity. Now let's look at Luke 17. One of the biggest tactics the devil uses, and I've learned this, is through unforgiveness, through offense. I see it more in Christian people today than I've ever seen it before. I myself, I thought I was so good at walking in love until it came down, I went through a divorce. I had to walk in love. And believe me, I had to learn to walk in love all over again. I didn't know as much as what I thought I knew. But Luke 17, 1 through 4 says, Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. That right there tells you that you're going to have the opportunity to be offended. I had the opportunity the other night to take offense, to be offended. The devil tried to get that, use that as an open door to get, a, to get me to be offended. But what did I do? I closed the door real quick because I recognized it. I was aware that that was something. Gary didn't know it. He was just being Gary. He wanted the sink clean. But the enemy wanted to use that little thing to get me perplexed and frustrated and a little bit annoyed at him. You have to shut the door. The minute you see that opportunity, that's there. You know, you can't, uh, that's why the scripture says, and we don't have this one on there, but don't go to bed. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't go to bed angry with each other. What is that? That's opening the door, giving the devil an opportunity. It says, it's impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. Hmm, that's a Sela moment. Take heed to yourselves. That's the last thing your flesh wants to do when somebody has wronged you. When somebody has said something hateful and told you how the cow ate the cabbage and told you just how wonderful you were not, the first thing your flesh wants to do is rise up and just tell them, well, who do you think you are? But the scripture says, take heed to yourselves. You're not going to give an account for all those people that wronged you. I'm not going to give an account for all the people that said bad stuff to me. And I get stuff said to me every week, sometimes every day. I have the opportunity every day to get offended. Isn't that right, Millie? We work with the public. We work in the medical field where people are sick, don't feel well, or either they're needing some medicine they're not getting and they're upset. 
But what are you going to do when those people say, well, I might just, you know, you're talking to them on the phone, well, I might just come up there and show you what I really can do. Well, that's a threat, sir, and if you do that, I'll have to call the police. <laughs> but I tell the girls I train all the time, you can't take it personally. I'm telling you this morning, when someone wrongs you, when someone says a hateful word to you, when someone uh, maybe doesn't like how you did something, examine yourselves. Take it as an opportunity to take the high road, to step up. That's what I've learned in my 63 years. Choose to take the high road. Because it says we shall be known by our love for one another. We shall be known by the love that we exemplify. Are we exemplifying Christ? Pastor Monty likes to talk about the people that always cut you off in traffic. I have no problems with traffic. Some of you men I know do. My husband has gotten much better since he's been married to me. Thank you. But if someone cuts me off, I'll just let them go ahead. Go ahead. If you're in that big of a hurry, go ahead. You know, we can just take a few minutes through our day and think of a multiplicity of things that the enemy is trying to use to get us out of the love of God. And when you're out of the love of God, that's the biggest foothold that the devil has in your life. That's an inroad right there. When you're out of the love of God, you're outside of the umbrella, the covering of Christ. You've put yourself in the middle of harm's way when you've gotten outside of the love of God. One time, there was something going on in my life, and I was speaking to a minister friend of mine and was asking for some counsel and advice. And he said, well, whose side do you think God is on? I went and said, well, of course, he's on mine. He's on my side. Because I thought I was right. But I was wise enough at, at my young age even then to say, well, I'm not sure. He said, God is always on the side of the person who's walking in love. Because that's who God is. That stuck with me. Am I really walking in love? Because when I'm not, that's opening the door to the devil to have free form in my life to give him an inroad. It says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee and say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So it doesn't matter how many times somebody does something to you. When you stay in love, you've shut the door on the devil. God's always on the side of the person that's walking in love because God is love. That's the only way you can be right is that you're walking in love. And you're not just doing it by, say, by saying, well, I'm walking in love. Your actions sometimes speak louder than our words. Amen? So your actions have to line up with, yes, 
I am walking in love. And, and just because you did that to me, I'm going to do something nice for you. I'm going to do this and go out of my way for you. Our body wants to say, don't let them ever think they're going to get anything from me. I'm never doing them a favor again. That's not the kind of attitude of love. Amen? Hallelujah. That word offenses says offenses will come. Pastor Larry taught on this years ago, and I had read John Bevere's book. If you've never read, maybe you haven't heard of John Bevere, an excellent teacher. I encourage you to get the book, The Bait of Satan. It's an eye-opening book. And that word offenses in the Greek is the word scandalon. And it's the trigger of a trap. Just like a mouse trap. On that trigger, we put cheese or peanut butter or something to get that mouse to come. Maybe you guys know a lot about trapping. You put something on that trap to, to lure in the animal that you're trying to trap. That's what Satan does with us. So much of the time, we're the ones, though, that are putting the bait on there for our own selves to be caught in his trap by the words of our mouth, by our actions. We're baiting our own trap. What do we have to do? Shut the door. Sometimes it's just the best thing. I've learned it. You can take it from me. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth, Sharon. Keep your mouth shut. And that's a hard thing sometimes, amen? It is with me. I'll be the first to admit. Because sometimes I just really want to say what I think needs to be said. But you know what? Most of the time it really doesn't need to be said if you're just feeling that or thinking that. That's why it's so important to learn to have a word in season, that comes out of your spirit, not out of your head. You've got to learn to hear the voice of the spirit. So one of the biggest traps, one of the biggest tactics or schemes the enemy uses is unforgiveness, offense. Psalm 119, 165. Everybody's heard me use this verse. And I love it in the New Living Translation. Those who love your instructions have great peace. And do not stumble. King James says, Those who love your word shall, or those who love your law shall not, or great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I got a hold of that when I was 22 years old. It changed my life. From that day forward, I said, Father God, I will never take offense again. There's been a few times it's been a struggle because my flesh wanted to take it. And you have to watch or you'll take up someone else's offense. You'll hate, especially in your family. Somebody does your kids wrong. Somebody does your spouse wrong. You'll try to take up, an, take up their offense. You can't take it up. It's an, it's an open door to the enemy. Those who love your instructions... Have great peace. One of the greatest things about faith, when we walk by faith, the words tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. When we walk by faith, 
one of the main characteristics of faith is peace. When you have the peace of God, and Pastor Monty one night, he didn't even know really that he was speaking to me, but I'd heard that verse over and over all my life. It says, the peace that passes all understanding garrison about your heart and your mind and keep you. I'd heard it, I'd quoted it, I'd preached on it, but just a couple of years ago, there was an opportunity that I had, and I had to struggle with it. Something that um, someone said to me, a Christian said to me, and it was very hateful and very um, adamant, very strong word. And I just, I sat there and all that was in me, that was one of those times that I was saying, keep your mouth shut, Sharon, keep your mouth shut. But I was just wanting to defend myself. You know, we always, it's, it's our flesh that wants to come to our defense. It's not our spirit, man. When our spirit man is made in the image of God, our spirit man knows who he is. He doesn't have to defend himself. God doesn't have to defend himself. We don't have to defend God. God's big enough that he can take care of himself. And when people are coming at you, it's not, it's not you really they're having the problems with. And I know you know this, but in the heat of the moment, you've got to remember, they're not upset with me. They're not mad at me. There's something in me they don't like. That enemy, he's wanting to come after that word. He's wanting to get you off track. But as this person was speaking this to me, I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I don't know really what to say about that. And the enemy, for days and weeks, I went home and you know, had my sounding board, <laughs> my husband. And then I noticed the more I talked about it, Gary was taking up that offense. He was, he was upset because somebody said this to me. And I was like, you know, okay, so we both talked. And I said, you know, because there's a time, there's a time when you need to go to someone that can help you with the problem. I always tell the girls that I train, you don't need to talk about what everybody else is doing. If they're doing something to you, you don't need to go talk to everybody else. You need to go talk to the one person that can change things. This is some really good instruction because I had to learn this the hard way. If you're talking to someone about a situation and they can't change the situation in your life or help you change it, you shouldn't be talking to them. So Gary and I talked this over and I said, do you think I need, or I think he asked me, he said, do you think we need to say something about this? And I really wanted to say, I think we do. I said, let me pray about it. And the Holy Spirit very strongly said, no, you don't need to talk about this. You know what to do about this. So handle it. So once again, I said, devil, 
you get behind me. I rebuke you and shut the door. You can always tell if you're over an offense is that if you can go to that person and talk to them and tell them you love them and you're praying for them and you actually are praying for them and you stop talking about the hurt and start talking about how much love you have for someone. Boy, it's quiet in this Pentecostal church. Okay, let's move on. What's another tactic of the enemy? We're about to wind this down. Brian, I told you we wouldn't get through all these. So unforgiveness and one of the biggies, fear. The devil will try to use fear to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Amen? Fear makes your life miserable. It keeps you from enjoying life. We all know God has not given us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. He's not given us a spirit of timidity. He's not given us anything that brings fear. He's given us a, a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. So if there's any fear coming into your life, once again, you need to shut the door on that immediately. And there's been some things that, you know, we have to walk through. In the natural, I'm not real fond of heights. Now, if I can, <laughs> if I can go up something, I've been up in the Space Needle in um, Washington, Seattle. I've been some other places, Niagara Falls, we went up into a big high overlook and I can do pretty well if I'm going up in a big structure and just looking out but you put me on a little bridge that swings and has cracks in it and there's a river uh, however many feet down below <sighs> Gary and I got married and we went to um, Gatlinburg for our honeymoon and so one day George and Charlene had told us, oh, you got to go to Grandfather's Mountain. So we're going to Grandfather's Mountain this day, and we get out there, and I'm like, uh, she forgot to tell me there was a swinging bridge about this wide. And I don't remember how many feet up it is from the, the gorge and the canyon. But I'm standing there, and I'm reading the sign, and the sign says no more than 10 people on the bridge at one time and these people are coming and it's telling me how many feet above the ground we are and and I get up there and I'm like I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me I have I do not have a spirit of fear I do not have a spirit of fear and Gary goes are you coming and I said give me just a minute so because I want to enjoy grandfather's mountain I want to enjoy the Royal Gorge. I want to enjoy those things. God made these things for me. And here I am letting a little bridge intimidate me, keep me bound up. And I said, I'm not going to do this in the name of Jesus. 
And I'm standing there, and boy, I'm building myself up, quoting my scriptures. And Gary goes, I'm, I'm going, come on. And he grabs my hand and jerks me out on that bridge. And in the name of Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, it was a struggle. But then I get over there, and I look around, and we're out on this point, And I look back, and I think, now I have to walk back across it. So let's fast forward to a couple of years ago, because this was like eight years ago on Grandfather's Mountain. A couple of years ago, I'd been to the Royal Gorge before. It's a big bridge. Cars drive across it. They're used to. You know, people, there's all kinds of people on it. But there's slat. There's holes, you know, cracks in those boards. And when the little buggy comes by the tram, and it's going like this, and the wind's blowing, and the flags, and and... Before I even got there, I took the tram over. Everything was fine. And we start to walk back across the bridge. And it was like just for an instant, the enemy came and said, Oh, you really think you're going to walk across this, huh? And I said, In the name of Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And I did great. You know what? You have to put your foot down on the devil's head or that fear. If you give in to that fear, it'll come and it'll clench you and it'll get a hold of you. And every time you come up against something, that fear will drive you instead of the spirit of God. And God doesn't want us to be bound up in fear. He doesn't want us to be bound up in anxiety. Another tactic the enemy uses There are more people today that suffer from anxiety and panic attacks than ever before. I see it every day. Anxiety is the precursor to fear ruling you. It's based in fear because you're being anxious. What does the word say? The word says be anxious for nothing. Nothing. Don't let the enemy cause fear, doubt, unbelief Jesus never panicked when someone brought a demoniac to him when they brought someone that was bound up sick lame blind Jesus never panicked about the situation matter of fact he didn't even panic when Jairus came to him and said my daughter is about to die will you please come What happened on the way to Jairus' house? We all know the story. The woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. What do you think Jairus is over there doing? Uh, Jesus, my daughter's dying. Don't you care? Jesus, what's the deal? You're taking your time here. The servant even came and said, Jairus, there's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter's dead. Jesus heard that. Did he panic? Oh, no. What are we going to do? I've... I've been here ministering to this woman, and this child died. We think, well, Jesus, don't you care? Look it up and read it. Read the story over. Jesus said, don't panic. Don't fear. Only believe. So my word for you today is, anytime that the devil is coming in, And he's trying to cause you to get frustrated, panicky, anxiety, fearful, 
worried, any of that, shut the door. Immediately, shut the door. I love, let's just finish with this. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. I am a winner. I am a conqueror. You are a winner today in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. You are the victor, not the victim. You just have to keep the devil in his place. Amen. Jesus put him there. He stripped him of all power. He stripped him of all authority. He stripped him from all right of being in your life. And today, more than anything, that's what I desire for the church to get a hold of and to see God has made you just like Jesus. We can't even fathom that. We are little Jesuses here in this earth. We got to act like it. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Father God, I just speak a blessing over this people. I speak a blessing that your word is in us to save us, to heal us, to deliver us, to keep us safe, to make us sound. Father, I thank you that your salvation is ongoing in us and we're maturing in the things that you've given us in the Spirit. That we're working out our salvation from the inside to affect the outside. I thank you, Father, that we are, we are lovers because we have the God of love at our disposal. Let us always walk worthy of what you've made us to be, Father God. Let us not forget that he that began the good work in us will bring it to fruition. You're bringing it to pass in this people, Father God. For we are a church that goes out into our community. And we love, we spread your love and your healing. We spread deliverance among those that are held bound, Father God. You've called us to deliver the captive. Father, let us be the ones that bring deliverance, that bring healing, that bring health, that bring life to the lost and the dying. We thank you, Father, for empowering us, for giving us your grace, and for causing us to be your hands and feet in this earth. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Pastor Monty. Appreciate all of y'all today. Thank you.